Well, we made it, right? We're at the end of the red letter challenge. Today is day 41. The challenge is sort of like in our rear view mirror, kind of, right? It was yesterday was the last day. So I have a question, how did it go? That good. So <laughs> really, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some great stories. In fact, today we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna share some stories from some of you that emailed me some things that have happened. And I would love that you would continue to do that and continue to share that with one another because it's great to celebrate when we follow Jesus. And sometimes, as you'll hear, they're kind of like crazy things. And it's a great time for us at the end of this series to celebrate. Last week, we talked about how urgent the mission is. And it's urgent that people hear the good news of Jesus Christ because people are perishing every day. But every day, we have an opportunity to share that good news with the world. And it's an opportunity to celebrate what Jesus has done. It's a time to celebrate and be joyful. And so at the end of this series, it's a time to be reminded that each day is a time to be joyful because we get to follow Jesus. We get to follow after him. And so for the last 40 days, we've been doing that, looking at these behaviors of Jesus, of spending time with his Father and, and forgiving those who have hurt us, even when they don't deserve it. And we get to serve them, not just the people we like, but our enemies, Jesus says. And we get to give and do crazy things like give our money away. And we get to go and share the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's fun. I know it's scary, but it's fun. It's kind of like those crazy things you did in college, right? They were kind of crazy, but they were fun. And so we want to have fun as Christians. I think it's good for us to celebrate what God has done. And we don't have to walk around with this heavy weight on our shoulder like it's such hard work. It's an opportunity to share in the joy of Jesus Christ, which is what he says he wants for you is for you to have the joy that he had in searching after the Father and doing the Father's will. And so we want to take time to celebrate this morning. I have a question for you. You guys smell that? Do you smell that? It's what? Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Does anybody else smell it? What does it smell like? Huh? I smell bread. You guys smell bread? Do you guys know what bread smells like? <laughs> Apparently not. What does bread smell like? It smells like bread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give Gary a gold star. It's, uh, it smells like bread. You know, you can't, if I ask every one of you, to, so describe to me what bread smells like other than bread, what would you say? Really? Just yeast? I think if I ask you, there would be just as many opinions or definitions or explanations as there are people in the room this morning. And the thing about it is, you can't see, you can't see it baking this morning, but it's baking. But you can smell it, right? Whenever something's like you, oh, I smell bread. Uh, 
bread, 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 bread. <laughs> right? What about this? Coffee. What does coffee smell like? Coffee. You're catching on, Chris. There we go. It smells like coffee. But how would you describe what coffee smells like? You just got to smell it. It smells like coffee. But here's the interesting thing I learned this week, that, you know, there are molecules in the air, molecules that make up scents. And, you know, there isn't just one molecule that makes up the smell of coffee. In fact, scientists say there's like 850 different molecules that come together to make up this aroma of coffee. And it's crazy that we can smell that. Right? I've got one more for you. What does bacon smell like? Heaven, there we go. Yes. Right? I mean, it can wake me up of a sound sleep. You know, like bacon. Right? I mean, it's just amazing. And what's even more amazing is that God has created us with the ability to smell. Right? And we can differentiate between coffee and, and bacon and bread and Cinnabon sometimes. And we can... We can differentiate all these different smells, and it's just a joy, isn't it? That we can enjoy some of us. Not all smells are pleasant. But how would we know what good is if we didn't know what bad is, right? It's amazing that we can detect all these different aromas. But here's the crazy thing. Like, dogs are much better than we are. At that. In fact, they have like 44 times as many cells, sniffer cells, to be able to differentiate. But science has learned that we have a, we're a lot better at smelling than, than previously thought. In fact, one study said that we can detect a trillion different unique scents. I didn't know there were a trillion different smells in the world, but apparently that's how intricately God has designed us. How crazy God's design is of the human species. But here's the thing they also discovered, which is what they always discover, okay, is that women can smell better than men, right? Not they smell better than men, but they, they can smell better than men. Well, typically they smell better than men, but, you know, but they can smell better. But here's the thing also, that as we get older, we sort of lose our sense of smell. Like, like the younger you are, the better your sniffer is. And here's the other thing science found, is that, you know, we can smell emotions. You guys know that? They've done studies that we can actually detect anger. There's an aroma to anger. There's also an aroma to disgust. That they've tested it and we can smell disgust. You know the other thing that we can smell? Love. There's an aroma to love. So my question was, what does love smell like? You ever thought about that? I never thought about it. What does love smell like? Well, you know, there was a candle company that wanted to ask that question because they wanted a scent of candle that smelled like love. And what does love smell like? That was the question. So who do you think they asked? Women, right? And they said, what does love smell like? And 
just like a woman, right? What do they do? They don't answer the question, they ask you another one. And they ask, what kind of love? It's like, we never thought there was more than one kind of love. We, never, we could have more than one candle. <laughs> so they surveyed and they found the top five types of love. They sort of categorized them and then they said, what does that smell like? And so I thought I'd share that with you this morning. This is what they found. New romance love smells like sea salt and orchid. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is what they say. Romance is refreshing, especially during those early days of heady giddiness and heightened anticipation. Having something new to look forward to each day is a wonderful feeling, and nothing captures that like sea salt and orchid. <laughs> you can buy this candle, by the way. I'm just telling you. The next kind of love, going steady love, right? <laughs> Smells like cafe latte. Nothing says cozy and comfortable quite like the afternoon coffee date when they know your coffee order, you know it's serious. <laughs> the next kind of love is head over heels love. Smells like rose musk. Here's their description. When it comes to romance, if everything's coming up in roses, you're definitely in love. The next kind of love they describe as domestic bliss, as honeysuckle and jasmine. An idyllic existence in the company of our loved one is something we all hope to find one day. Honeysuckle and jasmine fragrance evokes those feelings of calm and collectedness. Makes you want to go out and buy a candle, doesn't it? Ladies. Yeah, the final one is family love, this family ties, and it says it smells like apple pie. Whether it's spending holidays with each other's families or trying to start one of your own, you can't have a happy home without the scent of a freshly baked apple pie. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I agree. So I'm like, let me survey some guys, and then what, 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 does, what does this smell like to guys? Like, if you ask a man, it says, what is it that new romance smells like? I think this is what you'd hear. Maple bacon. <laughs> right? The bringing together of two great things. Maple and bacon. Right? What would going steady love smell like? Maple sriracha bacon. <laughs> right? Because you're taking the relationship to a new level. How about head over heels, love? Any guesses? You're close. <laughs> Maple bacon donuts. <laughs> yeah, because nothing will make you go weak in the knees like maple and bacon on a donut. How about domestic bliss? Chocolate-covered bacon. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, it's bacon covered in chocolate. <laughs> if that doesn't describe bliss, I don't know what does. And finally, what does that family tie love? What does that smell like? Chocolate covered bacon with nuts. <laughs> right? Because families, you got to love them, but they're a little nuts.
See, emotions have aromas. You know, and emotions carry memories. I can still remember what it was like to go into my great-grandparents' home because they had a wood stove that heated the place, and I can still, if I close my eyes, think about that place. I can see it, right? And some scents are not good, but some are amazing. And you don't even have to, to be in the room where some things are being made or baked, and, and it just fills the whole house. All you have to do is walk into the home or walk by a house that's cooking bacon, and, and you're like, I can smell, that smells good. So I have a question for you. What do you smell like? Have you thought about that? You probably did as you are putting your deodorant on this morning. But have you thought about that? What do you smell like? What kind of aroma do you put off? And, and what kind of aroma and emotion do you evoke when you walk into a room? I think as we look at today's text, we can find the answer to that. So let's go and dive into what God's word has to say. As we look at Paul's words you heard read earlier from 2 Corinthians, these are the words that Paul starts off with. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us, uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. He uses us to spread the aroma of him. Who's him in this text? Jesus. Yeah, because it's Christ's triumphal procession. And he uses us to spread his aroma. What's the aroma of Christ? The knowledge of Christ. The wisdom of Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when we go and we share the gospel, we bring with us the aroma of Jesus. When we go and we, we serve our neighbor, we bring with us the aroma of Christ. They may not be able to be able to detect it if they don't know Jesus. They may not be able to, like, what is that smell? It's Jesus. You get to tell them that. Right? When, you, when you're giving of your money and people are like, that's crazy. And it's like, that's Jesus. It's the same thing about when we spread God's word or when we forgive. Forgiveness, I'm sure, has an aroma of love, and that love is Jesus. And we get to spread it, the aroma of Christ everywhere. And we're told that it goes with us when we spread that knowledge, which we see here that the knowledge of Christ isn't just something for us to glory in, something for us to know, something for us to be proud about. The knowledge of God is meant to be taken and spread and given away so that others can carry it further. That's the picture Paul's giving us here, is that the knowledge of God has an aroma a sweet smell. But what's he talking about is that God leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. You know, I think of a procession, I think of like a parade. 
right? You see people processing by in a parade and giving him one of these, right? Is that what he's talking about? That we as followers of Jesus get to walk by everybody else just kind of like, hey, look at me, I'm in the parade. I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's trying to evoke a picture in the minds of this early church in Corinth. It would be a picture that they would have just like, as soon as he said it, boom, they know what he's talking about. But for us, not so much. What Paul's trying to get us to see is in the Roman times, when the Roman armies conquered a people, conquered a land, they would bring their captives into slavery, and they would bring all their their gold and their silver and all their jewels, and they would take all of that, and then they would process into Rome. The generals at the front and their soldiers processing by all the people with all of their captives and all of their slaves proclaiming victory for the Roman Empire. But here's the other thing they did. They burned incense. And so there, there were soldiers carrying these perfumers and there was this smell in the air as the army passed by. And it became known as the smell of victory. And so people, all they had to do was smell that incense and knew that Rome had conquered another country. And that smell carried everywhere. To where if you left the parade and you went somewhere, people would be like, I smell victory on you. You know, when I smoke meat, I have a smoker at home, and I love to smoke like ribs and brisket and pork shoulder and chicken and turkey. And when I smoke that meat, I use different woods for different kinds of meats because they all have different smells. I use apple wood for pork. I use pecan and hickory for beef, and I'll use cherry wood for poultry because they all have a different taste and they have a different smell. You know, when you go by the smoker or you're working near the smoker and that smoke is coming off, you can't go anywhere near it without it clinging to you. And then you, the rest of the day, no matter if you're around the smoker or not, I find myself, it's like, I smell barbecue. And it's like with me everywhere I go. In fact, when I shower and I wash the smoke out of my hair, I'm like, barbecue. And it's like amazing. And that's why I always send Terry to check on the meat and the barbecue, you know? So it's like, ah, barbecue. It's an amazing scent. And it goes, and people know it. That's the picture that Paul is painting here of this procession of God with Jesus Christ as the victor and us as his army processing and celebrating that Jesus Christ has won the war. Jesus Christ is the victor. And we carry that aroma everywhere we go. But the difference between us and the Roman army is we don't walk by with looking down our nose at people as we come to church on Sunday going, I'll bet they're not going to church. We don't process we get out of line and we serve and we give and we forgive just like Jesus would be doing. And as we do that, we're told we're processing and we're celebrating the victory that Jesus has won for everyone. 
and we get to share that news. And when we do, the aroma of Christ is spread also. That's the picture that Paul is trying to give us. But there's something else going on here. It says that happens everywhere. Not just everywhere we go, but everywhere. See, the Bible's also very clear that there's an everywhere that we don't see. There's a spiritual realm. There's a spiritual existence outside of our eyes. There are angels, but there are demons. There are dark spirits, dark forces. And the picture Paul is giving us is that when we follow Jesus and we do the things Jesus has taught us to do, God is testifying to those demons and to those dark forces that Jesus Christ has defeated Satan. Jesus Christ has defeated death. Jesus Christ is king. And we get to celebrate in that procession every time we follow Jesus. We're celebrating with Jesus. And we carry that smell everywhere we go. That's why Paul says that we follow after Jesus. We go everywhere. He's our example. And when we follow his example, it says we are holy and pleasing and a fragrant offering. When we lay our lives down and follow after Jesus, we are a fragrant offering. You know, there's a, a, a phrase in, in the old rabbinical teaching that you are to be covered in the dust of your rabbi, that you're to follow your teacher so close that the dust that he kicks up off the ground would then cover you. See, the goal of a, of a, of a student, of a disciple, would be to look and live and love just like their disciple, but that a, just like their rabbi, but a disciple would also want to smell like their teacher. So they would stay as close to him as possible. That's the picture Paul's giving us. As we follow Jesus, as, we, as he leads us, we will carry that scent of victory, that scent of the good news, that aroma of Jesus Christ everywhere. And Paul goes on to say this, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Did you catch that? Not only do we carry the aroma of Christ, we are the aroma of Christ to God. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. We are, not will be, but are. As you are right now, those of you that follow Jesus Christ, those of you that call him Lord and Savior, Paul says you are the aroma of Jesus Christ today. And that aroma is a pleasant smell to God. You know, there's this bond between a mother and an infant. And again, science says that moms and infants can actually smell one another, can differentiate one another just through the aroma that's put off. Every one of us, they say, has a unique odor. Some more unique than others, but there's a unique order that we all have, just like fingerprints. 
And they're all different. I'm sure Paul didn't know that. But that's the picture that we get here. David writes about it, that God sees you. He knows you intimately. And here he says, and he can smell you. And it's pleasing to him. And it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in church or whether you're in your workplace or whether you're out wherever. He can pick you out of a crowd. I smell Jim. It's a pleasing aroma because what he smells on you is Jesus. It's the aroma of Christ on you that he smells. It's the righteousness that you received in your baptism or the moment that Christ created faith in your heart. He gave you Christ's righteousness. And because of that, you smell to God like Jesus. Now, regardless of how dirty you think you are, or undeserving you think you are, or whether you can't even smell it on yourself, Paul says, God smells it on you. And to him, you smell like Jesus. You smell like Jesus. So I ask you a question. What do you smell like? To God, we're told you smell like Jesus. But what do you smell like when you walk into a room? What do you smell like when you, when you walk into your home? What's the aroma that comes off of you? Is it Jesus? Or is it something else? Something a little less friendly? I think it's a question that we need to ask ourselves more often. What do we smell like? Right in our mission statement, it says we want to help people look, live, and love like Jesus. And I think we could replace it. We want to help people smell like Jesus. So that when they walk into a room, everybody's like, what's that smell? It smells so good. It's almost like bacon. But it's something better. It's Jesus. And every time we get that reaction, every time you sort of see that puzzle or you get that question of like, why would you do that? And that sounds crazy. And what's happened to you? You seem different. You can celebrate what God is doing. You can celebrate that Jesus has won the victory. And he's using you to share and to spread that good news everywhere you go. What an amazing thing we get to do. We can smell food. We can smell bacon. We can smell babies. I mean, it's amazing, but we can smell Jesus. And better yet, others can smell him on us if we will but follow him and do what he asks us to do. And I know that's scary, right? But again, you did some crazy things in college that people said, oh, don't do that, that's crazy. Oh, I'm in. I'm in, right? And for those of you that have yet to go to college, don't do those things. <laughs> right, but still today, you're telling those stories. 
about that crazy thing you did in college and you don't tell those things to your kids because you don't want them repeating it, but what about doing some crazy things for Jesus? Talking about them to your children and to their children and to being able to celebrate with them the crazy things that God's doing in your life, that he's done in your life and that he promises to do in theirs. That they too are the aroma of Jesus Christ everywhere they go. We can share those stories again and again and again and celebrate every time we do. I want to share with you this morning just a couple of stories that people emailed me through this study. I want to share to you, and I just want to celebrate with them. I live in Four Lakes. One evening, I was outside my condo and noticed one of my neighbors, a teenage boy, Fernando, standing close to the building and it had begun to rain. He walked toward me and looked sort of forlorn. Must be an English teacher. I had not seen him for a while and asked if he had a problem. He replied he was locked out and he didn't have a key. His mom was out of town, his father was at work, and his brother was at a basketball game. And so I told Fernando that he was welcome to come in and wait and wait out the rain until someone could come home and let him in. Apparently, the family was not living at their condo temporarily because they had a huge plumbing problem and there was extensive work being done to their unit. So Fernando came in with me. It was about 7.15 or so, and I offered to fix him some dinner. Now, he's close to six feet tall and a football player, and I found out that he loves to eat. <laughs> I gave him several things from the refrigerator, and then he asked if I had any snacks, <laughs> which I did, so, I, so he polished off a bag and a half of those chips and Cheetos. And then he asked if he could use my Wi-Fi to do his homework, and so I gave him the code and he completed his homework. And then I asked him after his homework about nine o'clock, I said, would you like to play a game? And so she taught him a dice game called 10,000. And she said they played about three games until about 9.30, and then and he checked again from his big brother, and his brother said he'd be there about 9.45, and his brother got there, and he turned around and said, thanks for helping me and spending this evening with me, and he went on his way. What an amazing, simple opportunity to be Jesus to those around us. Share with you another one. Last week, we were driving around with the Estonian missionaries. My fiance, Yet, Yetta, and I fell behind in the RLC. Right? He's confessing that they didn't do every day in the RLC. Confession's good for your soul. Did I tell you that? Said, on Monday, her only class got canceled, so we were spending the day in Palatine as our neighbor sent me a text asking if I'm around as there's a family of six getting evicted in our neighborhood. Their stuff had been thrown out on the front lawn a couple of days ago and was now covered in snow. We and other people who came to help had to dig around and then try to pack all necessary stuff in a small trailer. Richard, the father of their household, was going through the stuff and was very emotional, which made it all the harder. Yet God was so generous. People came by with cash and gift cards. A neighbor found them a place to stay with a kitchenette, and a lot of people came to help. As it got darker, most people left, and we got coffee, and we prayed for him. The next day, my fiancé showed me what that day's challenge was in the RLC, being there for your neighbors. Not only was this a testimony of God using us, even when we're not perfect at following his plan, missing a day in the red letter challenge, but also his generosity and care during the toughest of times. This definitely event will carry in our hearts forever. Please keep praying for Richard, his wife, and his kids. 
the oldest of which is in high school. And the last story comes from a young woman that says, the red letter challenge has been such a blessing to me and my husband as we've learned a lot alongside our church family. After a few days of not truly completing my challenges, I asked Jesus to help me go deep, to go outside of my comfort zone. The challenge that day was to serve someone who serve someone to who will not be able to give you anything in return. I had an idea. On the way to the grocery store, I called my husband and literally asked him, would you pray for me not to be a chicken and to face my fears with the help of Jesus? I wanted to buy someone's groceries. Whoever was in need, I wanted to bless them. But I was terrified that people would think I was weird and was afraid to speak up. After I purchased my groceries, I swallowed, took a deep breath, and said to the woman behind me, excuse me, I've been so blessed today and I'd like to pass it along and buy your groceries for you. Before she even finished objecting, my credit card was in the machine and I was telling her that if God has loved me unconditionally, this is the least I can do. She and I had great conversation after this and I was so blessed by the experience, I got to hear from her how this truly was a blessing in her life that day. I felt nervous, even terrified but somehow Jesus helped me to face my fear. I've learned that serving doesn't always have to be a grand gesture, but I've also learned that Jesus blesses us when we go outside of our comfort zone. During this challenge, I have felt like a kid on a high dive at the swimming pool. I was standing up high, terrified as I looked down at the pool, afraid to jump in, and Jesus was right behind me, encouraging me. Jump, I'll be with you and you have no idea how blessed you'll be. Just simple little acts of obedience to Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we spread the aroma of Christ everywhere. And when we do, Paul tells us from this text that it is a pleasing aroma to God. That that act puts a smile on God's face. Kind of like bacon or Kristen. We have an opportunity to be generous, to serve, to give, to forgive, to share that with the world. But it all begins as we spend time with God in his word, allowing his love to wash over us the aroma, the sweet smell of the gospel that washes over us. And then we get to take that out into the world. We get to take that everywhere we go. See, while the red letter challenge has come to an end, there's another challenge that begins. And it's the red letter life, not the red letter challenge. The challenge is living those red letters the rest of our lives. Taking Jesus with us everywhere we go. Spending every day in his word, allowing his word and his love to wash over us. And we take that aroma with us into the world to make a difference in the world because the mission is urgent. And when we do, we get to celebrate as God as God harvests in the fields that he's called us to work in. God uses us in our workplace, in our families, in our communities, everywhere we go. 
we get to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, the sweet smell of Jesus. Who do you smell like? You smell like Jesus. Would you pray with me?